you know, like I said, I, I have a sketch that I go into this with to kind of create each piece. And so I, I kind of shoot for that. But at the same time, you kind of have to have a feel for it. You know, sometimes what, what you thought in your mind doesn't look the way it should or what, what they wanted to on the paper. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. Art comes from pushing boundaries, exploring, and experimenting. Our guest today, Carla J. Harris, has been deep in exploration of technique and material for quite a while and has led to some very exciting work. Carla creates surreal digital composite imagery based on narratives that allude to mythologies and other things that she has studied over the years. Her latest series, A Season in the Wilderness, is on view at the Lancaster Museum of Art and History, and she talks about how she makes her amazing work, how she moved into digital art from photography, and how she makes room for her art and her nine to five, which she finds very important to her studio practice. A very interesting conversation for you today. It's Studio Noise with a Z. Noise with a Z. You know how I go. Bringing you the very best in contemporary black art. Artists telling their own stories in their own words. And this is a podcast created by a working artist. So you might have some periods of time where I got to get ready for a show or do some kind of other special project. And I got to take a little step back from it for just a little while. But I always come back, always bring you that good stuff, always bring you the best black art conversations with the voice of black art. I got to come back and give it to you. <laughs> Who else going to give it to you? And you might. And for this special project that I just took a break for, you might get to see it on TV in the fall. I don't know. Announcements coming soon. We'll see how it go. Right. <laughs> As always, I'm back and I got a great list of guests coming up for you, including some returning Studio Noise fam coming back with some exciting stories of what they've been up to since they left the show. If you like what you hear, would you like to support an archive of contemporary black artists and thinkers in conversation right here on the show, then you can go ahead and join the Studio Noise Patreon. Give a little bit to keep the show going. The show do appreciate it. Check out the website, StudioNoisePodcast.com. And the link is in the show notes. The link to the website and the Patreon is in the show notes. You don't even have to look for it. It's right there for you. Go ahead and share episodes with your friends on IG. Tag us at Studio Noise Podcast. I love hearing from the listeners. So you can always hit me up anytime you feel like it. Let me know your thoughts on the show. And speaking of sharing, why don't you go ahead and hit up two of your best art friends right now and tell them we got Carla J. Harris on the noise. Right after the break, we back, baby. Yes. Hi, this is printmaker and painter Latoya M. Hobbs, and you are listening to Studio Noise Podcast. Yes, it's your boy Jay Barber back with more Studio Noise. You know, I go all over to find the best and brightest black artists that's all around the country. And I went, made a trip out to L.A. to talk to my girl, Carla J. Harris. How you doing, Carla? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. Good. So glad to get to talk to you. I, I fell in love with your work after I saw it on the internets and I, you know, was happy, excited to get you on the podcast to talk a little bit. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, I always love talking to other artists, so I'm excited about this also. That's what's up, y'all. And you got a couple of shows coming on, going on right now. I want to go ahead and tell people about it. You got the Black Anatomy Show at the Spartanburg Art Museum uh, with another one of the Studio Noise fam, Dante Hayes. That's my man. What's up, Dante? And it's on view through till June 30th. Then you have another show and you just so booked and busy, can't help yourself. <laughs> you got the Museum of Art and History, a season in the wilderness going on through April 17th. Uh, magnificent, Joe. Great, great time. So how, how has your like kind of schedule been lately? 
I've actually been okay. You know, I, um, I tend to kind of alternate going back and forth between, you know, having a season of making a bunch of new work and then having a season of showing it and, you know, applying for grants and um, doing like studio business and things like that. So last year I had a, a solo show in October. So I spent most of that year concentrating on making new work. And now for the past few months, I've been focusing on uh, finding places to, to show it. And I'm really uh, blessed to have found uh, some great partners at the Museum of Art and History in Lancaster and the Spradenburg Museum. So what is, what is the body work that you made for the solo show? So that's uh, a season wilderness. It's okay. a collection of 12 sort of large to mid-size uh, collage and digital painting pieces. Um, and it kind of tells a, a story about, um, it's kind of inspired by cinema um, and it tells a story about this selection of characters walking through this kind of dystopian landscape. Yeah. And I think those are the pieces that when I found your work, I was quite fascinated with them because I love the environments and the space of it and kind of i could tell it was a narrative so tell me a little bit more about the narrative of a season in wilderness sure so um it's a bit abstract you know i can't i it's difficult to tell uh, a set sort of three arc story through photographic pieces so what i did instead is i kind of make a collection of scenes um and i have these characters uh, working through the landscape and kind of dealing, working through the process of loss. So they start out together as a collective. Uh, one person kind of fades away over the course of the series. And at the end, you see them kind of coming back together and moving forward, um, moving past that. That's interesting. Where where'd you develop this narrative from? Was this something like going on in your life you were thinking about? Um, I, I kind of, I think it kind of came out of the pandemic in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like, uh, you know, 2020 was such a you know a year of loss for everyone um if you didn't lose a you know a a person in your life you certainly lost opportunities lost time um you know so i think it that was kind of a what kind of sparked the idea in my mind and then sort of more than that i've always loved cinema way back in the day i used to do cinematography at at the indie level um and so i've always enjoyed narrative work and always try to build sort of storytelling into my work no matter what the project and i was i was a little bit shocked at the process of it when i looked it up and realized like what i was actually looking at because they they're extraordinary beautiful very ethereal ethereal i guess is the is the right word for it. A uh, lot of space, a lot of darkness, and then the people kind of have these pops of colors inside of them. But your work is photography-based. And so you actually have your MFA from UCLA in photography. Um, and that's interesting. How did you get from what we classically think about photography, just pictures, gelatin and prints, stuff like that, into this kind of composite work? Um, it's kind of developed over a number of years. Um, when I was doing straight photography, um, I always you know, had an interest in sort of world building. And so kind of gradually over the course of time, uh, you know, when I was working with the camera, I was always going out and trying to kind of find the image in my mind to kind of build the kind of, tell the kind of story I wanted to tell. And so I started dabbling with digital work as a way to kind of build my own stories, my own landscapes, mm-hmm. and kind of integrating my photography into them. So started small with just maybe a, a portrait and then sort of a, um, a little bit of a composite of a background. And then over the years, developed into really sort of depth deep and in-depth uh of the real landscapes was there anything that inspired you to make that change in particular or was it just kind of a curiosity and experimentation i think it was kind of a practical uh practical thing you know when i was in grad school i had access to uh, lots of space and resources and once i graduated graduated i didn't <laughs> i couldn't really afford um, <laughs> a studio yeah. on my own i was just kind of working out in my apartment and so i was trying to figure out how to kind of take what i've been doing in terms of having sort of these sort of big hangs multiple photographs and kind of sometimes putting objects and other sort of digital materials around them in like the physical space and kind of collapse that into like a walled work that I could make in my apartment. And so I think that was really, that was a big part of it as well. It's kind of making the most of what I had available and learning to kind of work within it, work within that. So let's go back a little bit and talk about how you kind of got fascinated with photography in the first place. Tell me a little bit about like kind of your first encounter with using the camera. So I um, actually uh, just have always sort of enjoyed art, um, but I didn't really get into photography until after uh, college. 
I um, just kind of was at, at home um, with my parents looking for a job. And my mom suggested taking some classes at the local community colleges to kind of get me out of the house. <laughs> mm. And one of the ones that she suggested was photography because it's something that she she liked. Um, so we took the class together. It was a darkroom class. And I really just kind of fell in love with the medium. Um, um, as a result of that, it kind of started sort of a, sort of a lifelong interest in it. Um, I took that class into a couple more and more and then eventually ended up going to, to grad school to, to study it um, fully. And so what were your first photographs looking like? What, what did they have in them? Um, my first photographs were, were landscapes. I actually um, really was just taking photographs of the environment. Um, I think that's kind of a, a way of sort of out, outpouring of how photography is taught or how it was taught um, when I was taking it. Um, it's all about sort of black and white work. Um, they teach you about sort of the, the old photographic masters like Ansel Adams, and they really encourage you into doing landscape and taking pictures of your, the environment around you. Um, I was living in Virginia at this time. I, I, was, I'm a, I grew up there. Um, so there's lots of open space. And uh, so I was photographing just what was in my immediate um, environment um, and then kind of evolved over the years to, to taking more chances with the camera, working with people, and um, working in studio environments also. So what do you, what was Mom Duke's pictures looking like? Um, she was doing more portraits, actually. Okay. Um, yeah. Although uh, she took some landscape photos as well. Just kind of things of what's around. So, like, they teach you to take pictures of what's around you, which are immediate surrounding. So we kind of overlapped a little bit, too. No, nah, that was up, yo. That was yeah. Up. So, and Mom Duke's never never kept going with it? Like, she kind of <laughs> let, <you do> your, <laughs> let you do your own thing? <laughs> So she still takes it from time to time, but um, didn't get as deep into it as I did. Oh, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And so you switched from, at some point, switched to taking more portraiture, using the figure inside your pieces. Like what inspired that transition? I just like to feel like the the, the landscapes were kind of empty, you Mm. know, and adding in people gave me, I guess, more more to work with in terms of building, like building out stories and telling, telling narratives. Mm-hmm. As I know, you have one series. Uh, is it the Desert Cotton series that picture your family? Yeah, it's family and friends. Um, yeah. That was also my first sort of really sort of foray into portraiture. And uh, again, you're starting with people that I know that are around me, taking some photographs of them. Um, and uh, you can also kind of see some early sort of um, versions of my compositing work in that series also. Um, that was a kind of a precursor to what I'm what I'm doing now. Yeah, and and one of them is a picture of your mother too, right? Yeah, yeah, she's in there as well. I've got one of my dad too. I don't I don't, know, I don't know if it's on the website, um, but yeah, I my my family has become accustomed to having <laughs> 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 some big models. Yeah. So what what was that like being able to to take these photos of of your people? Right. I think is I think it's interesting how the subjects can change how you're processing the art completely right so did you have more care about taking pictures of these people since you know them since you love them you want to show them at these like levels of high esteem like what was that process like yeah i definitely did um i also think for me it it was also a really important growth process um because you know when you're working with family or hopefully when you're working with family they want you your your project your work to be successful so they kind of helped me to kind of I, I, I learned on them how to work with a figure, like how to pose people, like how to, what kind of communication you need to kind of get the right look in front of the camera. And uh, so working with film was a kind of, I guess, the easy way to kind of get used to that. Um, and then I kind of built up to working with, you know, models and other subjects that I didn't know. Was this more like in-studio stuff or was it like natural lighting? Mostly natural light. It, I, I really like natural light because it has a warmth to it. I think that it's complementary to uh, my work, although I do work more in studio now. So part of um, when you talk about the, the desert, I don't want to say your name wrong. What is it? The, I'm sorry. I'm, the, <laughs> no, that's right. Desert Cotton. Yeah, Desert Cotton. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So one thing about the Desert Cotton series, I I heard it somewhere on maybe on one of YouTube videos. Um, but you talked about how much of our identity, self-worth, and knowingly are knowingly or unknowingly informed by notions of mythology regarding race, commerce, beauty, present and past. I thought that was a, a interesting summation of your work. So with that, with that little bit, and uh, tell me about one of the portraits in particular. Maybe the, about the one about your mother. Well, I think by that I really just meant that identity is not formed in a vacuum. And uh, for that reason, I think a representation, the way that we are represented, um, whether our loved ones are represented, is, is very crucial, very critical. And so 
um, the picture of my mom particularly, I tried not to just capture her visual image, but also her images, her, her personality um, and her character. And I think that it's important for those types of things to be recorded so people can really kind of see the wholeness and the fullness of who we are. And so why cotton? Um, that's something I kind of do um, often in my practice. It is to choose to pick things from my family history um, or from my immediate environment around me and kind of integrate them into the work. I grew up, um, like I said, in the, in the South. So I often see like cotton flowers, pomegranates, magnolias, dogwood trees, things like that um, mm-hmm. from that environment integrated into my work. But, but there's no special relation in particular, just kind of like a, the kind of historical Southern living symbols of Southern life type of thing? For the most part, yes. Okay, so let's, let's jump forward to the the season a season in wild in the wilderness series. As I look at one of the pieces, uh, and they they do feel like a larger narrative is happening. And so, are in in this space that you create in these environments, are they all exploring the same place? Like, is it the same place represented in every picture, or are there different pieces that are being put together? Does it make sense? Yeah. Um, so it's supposed to, uh, my intention was to depict uh, the same place to just different um, areas or, or different uh, sort of landscapes within the same sort of world um, to kind of give it a sense of motion as it, so people are moving across this landscape and experiencing different environments as they go through. So tell me a little bit about the process in some of these. I'm going to take one in particular, Way of the Way of Gods. Like, tell me about that piece in particular. Like, as you sit and think about it conceptually, as you go towards it, how do you build the image? Um, I have actually a very heavy sort of thinking practice. So I will usually spend quite a bit of time sort of reading and researching um, and collecting sort of images and inspirations um, in, a, in a sketchbook or even sometimes even on, on, in notes on a computer to I get to the point where I have sort of a very sort of solid idea of what I want the image to look like before I go to actually create something. So what do you read? So, um, for this a season one, I was reading a lot about um, filmmaking, about uh, creating um, creating stories uh, about mythology, um, Greco-Roman mythology, as, and as well as about um, creating character. I also looked a lot at, at, at um, uh, the history of uh, history and romance painting. So basically, I try to do like a, a survey um, of all sort of different things um, that I feel like could be interrelated, or that I want to kind of capture the little glimpses of um, in the in the work. So, do you have like one of those rooms with the sticky notes and string connecting, like all the different pieces of paper, <laughs> like on the wall, like like a big web like that? Or are you are Not you like are you like a serious note taker? Uh, more of that. I'm a serious note taker. I definitely have a, a book filled with notes and scribbles and little little sketches um, for each pro- project I do. No, is it super organized or is it or is it more loose? I'm just I'm trying to get a feel for like where are you in there working? Like what does it look like? Are you have a, like a very clean studio with just pieces of paper and a couple of little notes, or is it kind of like yeah. a, a whirlwind <laughs> like coming through <laughs> with all kinds of stuff trying to come together? It's very clean. Yeah, okay. I tend to be pretty organized. <laughs> okay. In fact, um, I actually I, I attempted or took a I explored kind of doing like physical collage, you know, where you like cut up paper and like yeah, attach Deborah it that Robert way. Style, yeah, yeah, De- but um, I couldn't handle having all that paper <laughs> <laughs> all over my studio. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I stuck with doing it um, digitally. All right, that's great, Joe. So, all right, so you, you do your reading, your research, you got your notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming you got some kind of spreadsheets and stuff with all kinds of stuff on it. All right. Well, once you get to that point and you kind of have it all settled, you're talking about um, this place, people are going to get lost. Uh, what's the next step? So for Season in the Wilderness, I actually sort of listed out uh, 15 um, images in a sequence that I wanted to capture. Um, Ways of God Sex is the first one that I created. Um, and what I do to uh, is I, I do this photography first. Um, I'll hire the models and I'll do like a studio session, um, a photo studio session to, to take, capture their portraits. Um, I'll usually would do at least sort of four to five different um, poses for each work. Um, and then I, I, that's on film. And then I kind of go back and have, have that scanned uh, into the computer. And then I sort of build a world around them from there. 
Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but how long would a studio session usually last for you? Usually two to three hours. Okay. So is it is yeah. it a lot of exploration or do you have like a, a set like sketch for exactly what you want? Or are you letting some stuff happen with, you know, with the models and stuff? So I, try, I always try to go in with um, a, a list of set things that I want to, to capture. And then I, I leave some time at the end to do some sort of back and forth with the models, capture their sort of ideas. Cause I always feel like it, um, it's helpful to kind of incorporate a model's like natural posture. I um, mm-hmm. like body, body positions and mm-hmm. into the work. So I'll save some time for that at the end. I, I think it's a helpful, or I found it's helpful though, to at least have, you know, a, a five or six or preset poses to kind of get them warmed up Mm -hmm. and just to make sure that you know you don't walk away um with nothing you know to kind of just kind of get the ball rolling yeah right so are you when you set up these these models and poses are you picking them for individual pieces or since it is like a collection you're almost like bringing these you said one figure disappears and comes back like so Mm -hmm. the same group of people are they are all the same models for every piece yeah, for this work, um, I picked uh, five uh, models that I used uh, over and over for like every everyone every image in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like to do that anyway because it's you know, sometimes it's difficult to find people that are reliable and that work well. So once I find someone that I feel like um, I can count on and that does a good job, I tend to kind of rebook them over and over. So you'll see from familiar faces um, throughout <laughs> all of my work. Yeah. Um, but for this specific series, I did pick five um, for the in particular that I wanted to kind of include and so they, they are it's all the same people with them across all the works all right so now you got and you got your your makeups with your your sketchups you got your models shot what's the next step what, what do you do now so the next step is to um combine everything together um i um we'll take the images scan them into the computer and then i will i will build uh silhouette them and then i will build sort of the the landscape of the worlds um around them sort of combination of combination of compositing digital painting and then also um some design work kind of creating the the elements like the the flowers and the leaves um those are sometimes uh hand drawn as the computer and added as, as well so i'm gonna jump back right quick because i i'm forgot to pick up on this but you said you shoot with film and then scan it in like why why that decision um i that's it's just a, it's a practical decision for me um it helps me to slow down when i'm in the studio and really kind of think and focus on each individual shot um it uh plus i have a, a film camera that i really like it's a hasselblad and uh it's something that i've been working with for years so i know it like the back of my hand um, so what I'm doing, you can definitely be done with a digital camera, but um, I, I prefer the film, the film one, just did, for my own sort of personal reasons. Do you ever show the film themselves, like the pre-stuff? Uh, no, not usually. It's really, um, you know, I shoot the models on a green screen, oh, <laughs> so okay, it wouldn't look you. like much yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I if you. I show the, the, the people buttons. <laughs> okay. okay, I got you. So when you're thinking about these places, and you're you're starting to get into the painting process. Do you have a particular place in mind, or is it all feel? It's pretty much feel. I don't usually draw too much uh, for the landscapes, at least from the real world. I might, for example, see a tree I like and want to kind of replicate that in the image, or maybe um, if I want to have it more look like like a desert, I'll I'll look at some images of a you know a Joshua tree or the local desert here, or the one more look like more like a rainforest called images of the Amazon. So I have references. Um, for the most part, they are they are constructed just from my imagination. I'm going to a piece like Sum and Substance, um, which is a very strong composition. I mean, you have like these large areas of of darker values, and then you almost highlight in these two figures that appear to be in some kind of struggle, like in some kind of fight. Like there's a lot of uh, you know illusions that you can make to Cain and Abel or some other kind of of uh, back and forth between people like a struggle that's happening uh tell me a little bit if i'm wrong about that or if this is part of the narrative yeah you're absolutely right um there definitely is a a struggle um that goes back and forth um throughout the narrative 
Um, and I kind of love that what, what, what my my intention was to kind of suggest stories and but at the same time a bit open-ended so people can bring their own sort of imagination to it mm-hmm. as well. Some people, uh, you know, think Cain and Abel. Others think, you know, fighting with a shadow or a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think both are correct. Um, the idea is just to suggest uh, conflict and um, you know let people fill in the, the gaps as they as they will. All right, I love it, Joe. And so as you you're putting it together, at, at some point, I'm assuming that you print them off and you actually do physical work on top of them, right? Yeah. Like so, when yeah. You, what happened? How do you know you get you reach that point? Um, I don't know. I kind of feel it out. You know, like I said, I, I have a sketch that I go into this with to kind of create each piece, and so I, I kind of shoot for that. But at the same time, you kind of have to have a feel for it. You know, sometimes what what you thought in your mind doesn't look the way it should, or what, what they wanted to on the paper. So I don't know. I guess I, I wait till they, they feel done. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better way to say it, but that's, that's more or less the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I also, um, no, oh, go, go, go. I was going to say that I also, um, I, I try to share the work, um, before it's like officially done, done. Um, so just to kind of get a litmus test in terms of what people are reacting to. Um, and just to kind of make sure that, you know, they're, they're, I want them to be somewhat ambiguous, but I don't want it to be like so blank that no one knows what's happening or that they're like way left field and think I'm saying something I'm absolutely not. Um, so I do share it as well and kind of adjust and adapt based upon how, you know, friends and other artists I, I work with um, see and react to the work. And so are these just friends or are these like other artists that you're talking to? Uh, friends, but mostly friends that are artists. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell my wife that it's funny how like even now, like when I do think of friends, most of my friends are artists just because I've been doing art for so long. Like those are the people I talk to. Like it's just, yeah, it happens like that. Yeah. Happens like that. No, that's interesting. So do you consider them to be um, vital input to you? Like, do you bring in like other people, like thinkers, like curators or like scholars or something like that? Um, I don't need, I, I haven't used to, but this is my, my first time partnering with a gallery on it. So uh, the gallery owners there um, did come and look at the work as well and provide their input. Um, sometimes I also will check, you know, just kind of check it off of my friends and family also um, to see what they're thinking. People who don't have, you know, all this sort of art history baggage <laughs> they're looking at work through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that can't yeah. be, that can't be too much sometimes. <laughs> you yeah. Know, yeah. We absolutely. Start making all these historical references and stuff. It's like, yeah, that's not what I meant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I definitely feel that. So you have a piece like of the wind. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that one. This was actually the last one I made. Um, and I really wanted to kind of express that there um, is a journey happening in this, that the, there's people are actually sort of in motion and traveling across this landscape. Um, it has sort of a sunset because it is towards the end of the series. Um, so the kind of the sun is setting on their their journey. Um, it also kind of combines with everything that I had done elsewhere in the series. Um, the compositing, the positions of the people, you can kind of see them fading in and out. Um, you know, the use of the color, um, the use of the scarf to suggest motion, just sort of, I guess, the culmination of, of the of the entire sort of body of work. When you printed these out, how big are they? Um, they're pretty big. This one is about 40 by 60. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. a good size. Yeah. I don't like to go too much larger than that because then it, it'd be difficult to, tra- to, to um, travel. And right. also no one has, like, wall space <laughs> to make anything that big. <laughs> Uh, uh, considering that, do you make them smaller at any point? I do. Um, so this work, I want to kind of all be in that 40 by 50 sort of range. So there's consistency um, mm-hmm. across the series. But I do have smaller work. Um, and I kind of, kind of, well, I usually stay in the 30 by 40, 40 by 50 range. But I, I do sometimes have smaller pieces. And I have occasionally will make it a larger one, but but very rarely. Uh, going back to the desert, um, the desert cotton one, like how big are those? Those are smaller. Those are like 24 by 36. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. So in terms of process, what do you think you, what what do you think is the, the thing of growth that happened between desert cotton and a season in the wilderness? I think it's all about the landscape. Um, I got much better at compositing. I got much sort of more imaginative in terms of sort of design and con and con like visual concept. Um, I I love the Desert Cotton series 
but <laughs> the backgrounds I feel like are very sort of flat. Um, they're very sort of one dimensional, mm-hmm. um, or I should say two dimensional. And I really wanted to kind of evolve that. And so going into a season in the wilderness, I really sort of focused on expanding my skill set and my ideas to be a more dynamic, more make, make the backgrounds and the environments more dynamic. Was that experimentation or do you take classes and workshops, stuff like that? Um, experimentation primarily, although I did have taken some coursework um, in compositing and working with, you know, uh, digital painting. And what programs do you use? Um, mostly Photoshop and Illustrator. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yo. I, I think the series is, is really strong, yo. And even even though you, there's a, there's a strong sense of a complete narrative from all the pieces. I guess it comes from the process. You planning them out, really going into and having these different aspects, but it always feels like it's funny you mentioned cinematography because it feels more like a movie. It feels more like yeah. like these these kind of these cutaways to these characters, and then they, you come back <laughs> to the main group, and then these two people have a little something go on, and then you come back to the group. Like it feels like it does feel like a movie, like a narrative type of thing. Is there any writing that goes along with this associated with it? Not yet. Um, I've been thinking about maybe uh, expanding the series and doing a, a book. Um, but that's still, I guess, kind of in the, the idea phase mm-hmm. currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do you get your textures from that you composite? Um, some I photograph myself and some are, are stock. Okay. Yeah. Good old stock photography. Love it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it works out. Yeah. And so do you, so do you consider this to be, um, where on your list of your favorites do you find this series? Like in terms of like when you look back at the the growth you're having and, and how you're expressing it and the success of the execution, how do you rate it? Well, I think I rate it pretty highly in terms of accomplishing what I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, there's always little details, little things that, you know, I would change or that I, I, I want to, or, I should say areas where I want to grow for the next body of work. Mm-hmm. Um, then I mentioned briefly, you know, after printing these out, I do some sort of hand embellishing. Um, and that's an area that's kind of new for me. And so that's where, I, where, where I'm focusing now. Um, I haven't historic stuff because, because I studied photography, I haven't done much with painting or with handwork in the past. And so I'm looking to expand those skills so I can sort of incorporate more sort of hand embellishing and physical texture um, into these pieces after they're printed. My name is Christine Mays. I am a sculptor of wire and you are listening to Studio Noise. So I'm gonna jump to another series, um, the Snake Bearers, which I which I really really love because when I first looked at them, I almost thought they were prints. Like I'm a printmaker, so I almost thought they were like screen prints or uh, some other chinkole or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. it, but this is the same process that you were describing, like the photographs with composite work and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. This is actually an in-between piece um, between the Desert Cotton series and uh, Souls in the Wilderness. So you can kind of see like a little bit of a mixture of the two. Um, you know, they're portraits. Um, they have a little bit more sort of texture in the background, but not as much as in the Wilderness. Um, and they're made the, the same way uh, with photographing the, the models and then sort of painting on top of them in the computer. After. So what was the overall concept of this one? Um, so my original goal was to make sort of my own Zodiac. Um, you know, I, I really love mythology. I've been studying it for quite a while. Um, and so that was the, the original idea. But I started to feel a bit uh, spread too thin. I'm going across 12 um, different images. So I cut it in half. I've got to pick the strongest ones. And um, so this is kind of, I guess, the, the end result, the, the six that I, that I picked um, for the series. So what was it about these six that you liked in particular? Um, honestly, I think what I liked with the grouping. Um, and I like that they're sort of each unique. Um, it's kind of tricky, at least it's tricky for me sometimes when you're doing like a larger series to make sure that each individual image is adding something new. 
um, or something different, and while at the same time all still sort of making sense together with with, with all the other photographs. And I felt like these six did some of the other ones that I didn't complete or didn't add to the series were a bit repetitive. And so as you were doing the the white leaves um, with the, I guess that's a, I don't know what color that is. What color is that? This is kind of like a a low value pink. I don't know what what, what color would you describe? Yeah. It? I would say it's kind of like a metallic, a metallic pink, okay. like, or like a yeah, pale magenta. Or something. Yeah, so know, um, a bit of gold in it. yeah, what made you come up with that one? Because I like, I like that kind of graphic flatness of it, and I think that may have been like one of the pieces that made me think of printmaking in particular when I thought about it. Um, honestly, I think uh, it's the it's the the contrast to some of the more sort of gritty texture of the gold. Um, I found that when you're doing digital compositing, you need to have a variety of textures, like the flatter spaces make sort of the more sort of grim, grittier fabric spaces, like look even more um, three-dimensional. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, I guess like, that's a long way of saying contrast. <laughs> nah, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. It was, is it, what, um, it, was there any particular mythology that made you pick up the snake? Like, what's the story behind it? Um, well, snake is actually a pretty uh, recurring element in a lot of different sort of world mythologies. Generally, it, it represents either sort of knowledge or in some places, uh, say kiss places, uh, depth, uh, depth. Um, and so it kind of something that recurs whenever, whenever I read about it. And so I, I, it's an element that I often use when I'm making works that refer to mythology. And so do you see these women as heroes in a story or deities like how do you envision them i was thinking heroes in the story and here i was thinking the snake means to more towards i guess uh a symbol of of chaos and these women are sort of conquering or or um gra grasping with that and and i guess playing the role of a hero in that way i like it and so what made you go with the gold texture the gold texture I feel like it just adds a richness that I really enjoy to this imagery. I use it often in other in other works in different ways. Um, I love the way that it hangs on the body, and also I feel like it kind of like elevates the, the pieces and also the um, uh, the 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 figures themselves. Uh, you know, I think it's a symbol of wealth, um, and it, I think having it around these figures kind of makes them gives them more of i guess a, a heroic look or i guess it elevates them in the eyes of the viewer at least that's my intention tell me a little bit about your relationship to the mythology i think you've described it a couple times um in talking about these series tell me when did when did your fascination with that start and how do you think it relates to um your overall point well i i got into it when i was younger actually um my dad was in the military uh, and so we spent a number of years living uh out of the country living uh, in Italy and you know, other parts of the U.S. as well. And I really got into it as a child. For one thing, I, really, I always have been very imaginative, so I love sort of the fantastic and, fan and fantasy stories. But on the other hand, I really kind of like it as this sort of symbol of, the, of um, human beings, you know, struggling to understand the world around them mm -hmm. and also sort of the search for universal truth. Um, and I, I think that part of it, um, universal truth is really interesting as well, um, because I feel like it's something that, you know, bonds people together, uh, girl, you know, draws people together. Um, everyone is interested in, you know, the search for love, understanding how, how we came to be, you know, you know, looking for sort of meaning. And uh, I, I like the idea of working with something that, you know, is, uh, touches so many different cultures and sort of interests such a wide variety of, of, of people. Tell me about the the big, I guess it's a mural project you did for, um, called The Guardians. Oh, yeah. Um, I did that in uh, 2020. Um, it's, it was my first mural project. It's at this um, a park, Magic Johnson Park here in South L.A. Uh, it was kind of a whirlwind <laughs> because... <laughs> yeah. Um, the architect and the city uh, kind of decided decided sort of later on in the process they wanted to include a mural, um, and so we only had let's see, I think um, I had about uh, four months, maybe six from the time from that the first contact to kind of develop the project, pitch it, get funding, and kind of get it up. So it was uh, it was definitely a whirlwind, um, but it was a, it was a fun project, and I learned a lot about it. I learned how, a lot during that process. As how well. big is it? 
Uh, it's pretty big. Um, so it, it feels like an auditorium um, around the ceiling. Um, the, the, each side is about 50 feet. Um, and then the front, uh, 50 feet across, and then the front is about 30 feet. So it's, it's, it's pretty huge. And was this all tiled and printed and applied? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that had to be super tough on your computer. <laughs> oh, well, no, I, I did design work. Um, and then I hired a, a, a printer okay. to do the printing and the installation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nah, that's fascinating, yo. Did, does this have a specific narrative to it? It does. They really wanted something that responded to the sort of local environment. Uh, this was a redevelopment project um, in a sort of a lower income area. And so when they, they kind of, when they pitched it to me, they kind of mentioned the idea of this sort of being like a, a safe community space. And so um, I kind of took that and ran with it and kind of looked with the idea of this being a bit of a, a sanctuary um, for the community. And I created these two sort of guardians on the other side of the wall um, to kind of be the guardians of the space. And then throughout the rest of the piece, I pulled in, you know, um, trees, ducks, water features, and other sort of elements of the landscape that are there um, true to the local area. And what has the response been to it? It's been pretty good so far. I think most people um, really enjoy it. Um, it kind of got off to a slow start because of the pandemic, you know, for like a year, it wasn't even open. Oh, <laughs> it was <yeah>. just in there <laughs> and no one could see it. Right, um, yeah. But now that things are back up and running, um, I feel like I've gotten some positive feedback and people seem to really enjoy the space overall, just in, in general. Um, did you enjoy the process of it? I did. It was a real stretch for me. So it's kind of stressful. Um, but I was really, you know, was uh, enjoyed it after seeing it, everything up. And um, I think I said, I, I learned a lot um, about the mural making and working in like at that scale um, of the course of process as well. Yeah. Is there more of this kind of projects on the way? Are you, are you looking for it? You said mentioned writing for grants and stuff before. Yeah, I have one more. I did a mural um, actually late last year um, for Facebook up in San Francisco. Nice. Um, similar process. Uh, that was a lot of fun, too, because it was the second project was less stressful. <laughs> it was also a smaller <laughs> space. Yeah. So that was nice. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to do more murals in the future. It's, um, you know, I kind of like the collaborative process because, you, you know, you're working with, you um, uh, either the company or the city or whoever is sponsoring the project, plus the designers of the space. And it's just you know, a different sort of a new and different way to think about um, creating artwork that I hadn't, I hadn't dabbled in before. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you like having the other input. This is interesting because <laughs> a lot of other people I don't like want to have like um, freedom to be artistically who they are. Right. But you enjoy the collaborative process of it. I enjoy it in combination with my solo practice. So I would never want to do only this. Right. Um, but I think I have enough sort of control over my, my solo art practice that this creates a nice contrast to kind of have input from different artists and kind of really different art, different people and kind of hear like how this work sort of functions in a different way than what you see in a gallery. And it kind of really challenges me to, to kind of think and, and think about my art in a different way and how it's received in a different way. Right. And so now you you have like on your website and you can go to CarlaJHarris.com and check out her website and see all this beautiful work we're talking about. <clears throat> the one that you have in progress, God, Myths and Monsters. I see a, a lot of things coming together from all your other series into this one. But I, I feel like there's a change here going on. Like, is that how you feel about it? I do. I feel like every new project is a continuation of the last one. I kind of take what, what I really enjoyed from there and move it forward um, and also try to evolve it. And so I th definitely think, you know, that's happening here. Um, these three pieces um, are the very, very beginnings of sort of a larger sort of um, series I want to do. Um, also, again, dabbling in mythology, but kind of expanding it a bit. Um, uh, these are just sort of three portraits, but I'm also I'm working on some larger scenes um, that are going to bring in the, tell it to tell it more more dynamic stories, and also like, like I said, I'm working on doing some more um, hand embellishing on these pieces, um, playing around with sort of gilding and adding like actual gold leaf to the gold, and uh, also some acrylic sort of painting and down into the the flowers, and um, yeah, well, it's, I'm just starting it now, so we'll we'll see where it, where it leads. Oh, so we're early in this process on this one. Yeah. And mm -hmm. do, do you already have a number of pieces that you're gunning for for this one too? 
Um, I, mm, I I like to keep a series between ten to fifteen. So that's usually the end result. Um, and uh, but I haven't gotten so I'm still doing the, the research phase. I haven't gotten so far, so I'm mapping out what you think, well that's going to look like um, just yet. Okay, that's cool. And so I'm going to switch a little bit and talk about the actual making of things, right? And and kind of living the artist life, kind of create yourself. I mean, not create yourself, but um, the life that you're creating. How do you make space for yourself to make things? So you're represented by Luis de Jesus uh, Gallery in Los Angeles. Uh, are you represented by any other piece people? Um, no, I've been looking around. Um, I would love to get another space. Um, but I, 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 don't, I work kind of slowly, <laughs> um, so I don't have that much work. Um, so that's, I guess, the TBD um, for the future. <clears throat> and I think I'll – oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go. What's your thought? Yeah. No. I want to say I think that's kind of um, – ties into what you're saying about making space for artwork. So I do have – I have a full-time job. Um, you know, I do graphic design work in addition to my art practice. Um, and so that kind of means art has to kind of fit in. Um, where it can, and um, that means sometimes I, I work more slowly because I don't have, uh, I, I don't have the time to do. You know, I can't like churn out a piece a week uh, because I have other other commitments that I have to have to keep. That's interesting. So, are you building towards being full time as an artist? I don't know. Um, <laughs> mm, okay, yeah, that was a question I, answer. Okay, yeah, I um, I kind of like having them both to be honest because it provides balance. You know, mm-hmm. I, I art is something that I love that I'm really passionate about, and so I kind of like it keeping it not as my job. You know, because when it's your job, you have to worry about chasing down money. You kind of start worrying about making using it to make a living. Right. And current state, you know, the full time job I have, I don't mind, and it pays my bills. And so if I ever come to a point where I say, okay. I need to take a, take a month break from making artwork to clear my mind. I can do that and not have to worry about, you know, not being able to pay my rent. Or if I, you know, have a, a collector or a buyer that I'm uncomfortable with, I can say no to them mm. because I don't need necessarily have to have the art money to pay my, to pay my rent, you know? Right. And I kind of like having that kind of freedom in a way. Yeah. And, and vice versa, you know, if, you know, if I, if I were laid off from my job, um, I would have to start from scratch because I could have a little bit of income coming in from the artwork on the side. Um, so it, it's kind of nice to have, to have both. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without, without, <laughs> yeah. without getting too deep into your relationship with uh, the, the gallery, um, what do they say about that? Did they encourage it or support it or is kind of, they just accept that as like, this is who Carly is. Um, they've kind of accepted it, and I will say to date, I have they've never asked me for something um, that I wasn't able to deliver. Um, so it's it's working out for now, um, and we'll I guess we'll see um, what happens. No, that's awesome, yo. That's awesome. Yeah. I like I like I like that idea because most of the time, uh, artists are always looking to to get rid of the other, <laughs> get rid of the nine <laughs> to five, right? And just go ahead yeah. and you know both feet in. But I like the I like the practicality of what you're describing. Yeah, it um, you know, I I found that this works best for me. I know some folks, you know, it's better to do art full time, but uh, myself, when I, I when I've done that in the past, when I was just doing art or just only working sort of freelance doing graphic design, I found it to be very stressful. Like I was mm. using so much mental energy worrying about paying my bills. That even though I had more time, I couldn't use it well right. <laughs> towards right. my art towards my art practice. Nah, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. That's good. Yeah. And so, where you how? Uh, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm trying not to go too, too uh, personal with the talk about the work in the gallery, but um, yeah. in terms of how the your prices are building, do you feel there's a proper progression there? I do. I think um, my style of work, the digital component of it, um, takes some getting used to. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it took it took time. I think because of that reason, my the market for my work was kind of has been slower to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, it took kind of a few years to kind of get people used to the idea and, and get them open to purchasing work that was made primarily digitally. And so it's kind of it's, it's been a progression. I feel like I'm, t- I'm finally at, at that point now where people um, are, are much more accepting of it, and then so this work is selling much more frequently than it was in the past. But it mm-hmm. definitely took some time to get there. You know, yeah. It, um, my my work, you kind of have to sit and explain. You know how it's made, what it is, all this and that. You can't just say painting or photography. Right. And sometimes collectors get a little bit hung up 
on, on, on that aspect. Right, right. The technology is too new for them, for some people to understand. Yeah, to understand and also, I guess, kind of value right. as well. Yeah. So, so speaking of technology, are you, do you feel like this and you work digitally? So are you thinking about getting in, into the NFT space? Also, I don't know. <laughs> I've done some research on it. I've taken some some workshops on it, but it seems to me um, at the end of the day, um, whether you're selling a digital item or a physical item, you're still selling it. So you have to kind of build an audience, um, market, advertise them, mm-hmm. even if they were NFTs. And I've already spent so much time you know, building an audience for my physical work. Um, you know, and my time is, I, I, I only have so much time. Yeah. So I yeah. feel like I don't know if it really makes sense for me to kind of cut my studio hours and get us and take that time and spend it towards developing an audience for NFTs um, at, at this point. No, nah, that makes sense. And so as you as you're going on this journey, um, this is an interesting vein we kind of hit on a little bit where you're talking about building an audience and kind of the need to explain your work. How How has it been for you, like encountering collectors and building an audience and kind of managing the response to your work and still selling them on the value like you were saying um having the gallery has helped a lot um they have really done a phenomenal job of sort of collecting me with connecting me to the right people and also presenting my work um in the right way that's helped quite a bit um i also say social media has helped a lot as well Um, it's helped me to connect with people um i guess kind of all over um, and kind of find an audience from my work that I necessarily would not have been able to do if I was only kind of focusing on Los Angeles. Oh, that's interesting. So, uh, mm-hmm. are a lot of your collectors more in other places and not LA? Um, they're all over, to be honest. Um, and I think because my, like I said, uh, it's taken some time to collect attention to my work. Having be, being able to sell work all over um, has been uh, really helpful in me kind of building this, uh, building this this practice. That's awesome, you. And so, as you continue to develop, where do, where else do you see your work going? Like just in terms of either scale or uh, material. You mentioned adding actual gold leafing into it or gilding into your pieces. Like where where do you see yourself? Uh, developing if you have an, any idea um i think that's my fam- main focus right now is adding doing more hand embellishing adding more to the prints after they're printed i feel like i'm happy with the size and with what i'm doing digitally um it's just kind of adding sort of a little bit of a, a personal touch um after it's printed that i really want to focus on so that's going to be that's what i'm looking at that's what, where i'm going next and what i'm going to focus on for the moment so are you going to <laughs> so are you going to take <laughs> some painting classes and <laughs> all this kind of stuff? Like how far are you trying to get into it? Or is it, is it just going to stay intuitive and stay kind of free flowing? Kind of free flowing, I think. Um, you know, I'm not interested. I don't want to become a painter. I just want to kind of incorporate little touches here or there. And so I'm just going to kind of experimenting with different types of materials um, and uh, kind of just seeing what makes sense and uh, what I can work with and quickly and easily. <clears throat> now nah, that makes perfect sense you know? that's awesome and so why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you all your work sure so um the best place to reach me is um instagram it's car at carla j harris that's carla j-a-y harris um you can also find me online at www.carlajharris.com that's what's up thank you so much for coming on the thank podcast you. Thank you so much for inviting me. This has been really fun. That's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the bag. Big shout out to Carla J. Harris for coming on the show. Blessing us with your presence. We sure do appreciate it. Next week. I have somebody else on this show. I just came back. So we'll get back to it, Joe. I got some guests coming up. Don't worry about it. We'll be back. All my artists out there. You can take a break. You can relax. You can take in the sights. You build up your vocabulary and then you come back at it. You keep making that noise. Keep making that noise. Yes, it's your boy Jay Barber. We'll be back with you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.